Thank you, Miss Lisa. Appreciate that, and I definitely agree. If you are not born again, you definitely should consider putting your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Best thing, best thing you'll ever do. We'll be in Luke chapter number 12 this morning. Luke chapter number 12, continuing to look at the parables of the Lord. As you turn there, a couple of things that I want to mention to you. One, these glasses were found on the parking lot. So if you are missing your glasses, they're here on the pulpit. So you feel free to grab these. If you need them to read your Bible now, hold your hand up and I'll bring them to you. But uh, anyway. Anyway, uh, here they are, glasses found on the parking lot. Uh, you're welcome to them if they belong to you. Then the other thing that I wanted to mention to you is you may see this little project going on out back. Uh, you may wonder what in the world is going on out there. There's a stack of railroad ties, and now they're, they're starting to take shape and look like a stop sign, and you're like, what is Pastor John doing now? And so uh, uh, we are building a corral ball pit. So corral ball is a game that uh, seems to be the most favorite game for teens uh, here at our church at camps everywhere. Teens absolutely love corral ball. It's just a little more complicated way of playing dodgeball than the way we used to play it when we were kids. And you get in the corral there and uh, play dodgeball. And so our teens here love to play it and they would set tables on edge in order to create the corral ball pit to play ball. And uh, so I talked to the deacons, of course, made sure everybody was okay with his putting it out there. And then I talked to Brother Anthony. And I just want to say, Brother Anthony is a blessing. He sits over here. He's quiet. You never see. But I'm telling you, he is a blessing. Anytime I come walking up to him and say, Brother Anthony, I have an idea. It's all he can do to keep from running because he knows. I come up with some crazy ideas. But uh, Brother Anthony brought his equipment over and took the topsoil off and put about a foot of uh, rock dust in a 20-foot circle for us. Uh, and then Stephen, he uh, sourced the railroad ties and brought them over here for us. And so myself and Joel, a little bit at a time, are putting those railroad ties together, putting it into an octagon shape, rebarring it to the ground. I told Joel uh, Friday night we was out there, boy, just sweating, swinging 12-pound sledgehammer, driving that rebar. I said, why do I keep coming up with these crazy ideas? But anyway, uh, uh, we hope to have it done uh, maybe this week we'll have that thing finished up and so the teens can get in there and play corral ball. I believe that anything I can do that makes a young person want to come to church so that we can teach the gospel, they can get born again, raise their family for Christ, it's worth every minute of it. And so I appreciate Brother Anthony, though, Brother Stephen. Boy, I'm telling you what, there is so many things that they've done around here. And many times I fail to give them the credit that they deserve. And brother, I appreciate y'all and thank you for all that you do in helping us here at the church. Here we are in Luke chapter number 12, continuing to look at the parables of the Lord Jesus, and we're kind of uh, going back and forth looking at different parables. I don't know that we will uh, ever look at all of them, but until the Lord leads us differently, we'll continue looking at these parables. And as we look at these parables, we see that most of them, in one way or another, many of them, uh, point us toward the importance of salvation, the importance uh, of being prepared for eternity. Last week, we looked at the parable of the ten virgins. Uh, uh, we seen that this was a parable that Jesus used to emphasize uh, the importance of eternal preparation for every individual. In the parable of ten virgins, uh, we see that Jesus compared... Uh, 
And those who, Jesus compared those who were prepared with those that were unprepared. He compared the wise with the foolish. He compared the, the, the secure with the condemned. He made a comparison. He broke them into two groups and made that comparison. Now today we're going to look at another parable concerning eternal preparation. But in this parable, Jesus doesn't make a comparison. He doesn't compare anything such as between the wise and the foolish. But in this parable, he focuses on the choices that the foolish make that leads them to a place of unpreparation. When we looked at the parable of the virgins, we saw that the five foolish virgins were unprepared. And we mentioned that perhaps these are the reasons they were unprepared. Here in this parable, Jesus doesn't make a comparison, but he focuses on what it is that causes people to come to the end of of their life, be that death, be that the rapture, whatever it may be, when they come to their end of their life, they are not prepared. And Jesus points out something that brings many people to the end of their life unprepared. The parable that we're going to look at today is the parable that we know as the parable of the rich fool. It is found in Luke chapter number 12, verse 13 down through verse number 21. Read together with me. The Bible says in verse number 13 of Luke chapter number 12, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed, and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruit. And he said, This will I do. I will pour down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Let's pray. Father, it's been good to be in your house this morning. Lord, I've enjoyed fellowshipping with your people. I've enjoyed listening to the Sunday school lesson. Lord, I've enjoyed the singing together with the congregation. I've enjoyed listening to the special music, Father. I've enjoyed being in your house. Lord, you've been good to us to give us this place and this people. Father, I thank you for it. But now, Lord, as we come to your word, oh, Father, Lord, this is the most sacred part of the service. Father, I pray that you will help us to open your word. I pray, dear Lord, that you will open the hearts of the people. I pray, dear Lord, that we will be receptive. I pray, dear Father, Lord, if there be those here that have not accepted you as Savior, that, Father, Lord, you will use your word to convict them of their need for salvation. Lord, I pray that those of us who have put our trust in you, that, Lord, you will use this passage of Scripture to create in our hearts a burden, oh, Lord, to take the gospel and to go and tell those who have not trusted you, Father. Father, I pray. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in your house. I thank you, dear Lord, for your blessings upon us. And now, Lord, I pray that you will speak through us and use your word, of Father, this morning. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And amen. The first thing we notice in this passage of Scripture is the context uh, or the setting in which this parable is given. Uh, uh, Jesus is teaching. If you look in uh, the verse 1 down through verse number 12, you will see that Jesus is teaching. Jesus is teaching a group of people. He's teaching some spiritual truths, some eternal truths. Uh, uh, Jesus is teaching and uh, preaching to the people. Uh, and we come to verse number 13 uh, and someone uh, interrupts uh, the sermon. Uh, someone interrupts the sermon. Now that's not something that happens very often. I remember many years ago I hadn't been preaching very long at all. I was probably still a teenager and I was preaching in a service uh, and I was I was just giving it everything I had and someone stood up in the crowd and said, I have a question. Now you talk about getting thrown off when you've not been preaching very long and they had a question. I'm like, uh, uh, okay. And they asked me one of these off-the-wall questions that people like to ask, you know, to stump Bible teachers. Well, like I said, I, I didn't know the answer. And I'm like, uh, uh, thankfully the pastor of the church stood up and turned around and he answered the question and asked him to please sit down and not interrupt anymore. And I got back to preaching. But uh, anyway, you know, it's kind of difficult when someone interrupts your teaching. But Jesus is teaching, sharing spiritual truths, eternal truths, uh, and somebody interrupts. He speaks up, uh, and this interruption is important uh, for us to understand the parable that Jesus shared. We see that this guy interrupted, uh, and in his interruption he conveys the message uh, that he is far more interested uh, in securing his, his earthly inheritance than he is in hearing about an eternal inheritance. Now, we could run a rabbit trail right here, and I'll try not to chase him far. But boy, I'm telling you what, there is nothing that breaks a pastor's heart more than pouring out his heart about eternal truths and someone being more concerned about their earthly situation than listening to the eternal truths of the Word of God. Jesus is sharing eternal truths. This guy interrupts and says, I'm, I'm not interested in what you have to say about eternity. I am interested in securing my earthly inheritance. In verse number 13, we see this interruption. It says, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Here we see this individual is desiring to secure his possession. In the Jewish tradition, uh, whenever a father died, he would leave his inheritance, whether that be land or wealth uh, or livestock, whatever it may be, the father would leave his inheritance to his children. The way that that was broken down uh, was that the eldest would get two portions of the inheritance, and then the eldest was responsible to divide the remainder of the inheritance equally among the remainder of the children. So what is happening here, we don't know exactly, but it's probably one of two scenarios. Uh, either one, uh, uh, the elder brother uh, is not wanting to divide, and so he's got his two portion, uh, and he's trying to claim it all. He's not wanting to divide the rest of the inheritance. He's trying to claim it all, and so this man is saying, look, my brother is not giving me my part of dad's inheritance. That's possible that that's what's going on. Another idea would be that this brother thinks that the Jewish tradition is unfair. That it wasn't his call that he was the second born. I mean, he would have been a better firstborn after all. He should have received more than just one portion and he is wanting his older brother to give him part of that double portion. It could be either situation. But either way, this young man feels that he is not getting what is owed him. He interrupts Jesus and says, I need you to help me. 
He saw Jesus as a person of influence uh, and he thought that he could utilize uh, that influence uh, for his own personal gain. Boy, I'm telling you what, we see that in churches all the time. People see the church uh, as a position or a place of influence uh, and they think that they can utilize the church uh, to help them get or gain whatever they are after. That's what this guy, he wasn't interested in what Jesus was teaching. Uh, he just wanted Jesus to use his influence to sway his brother, to give him what what he thought was his. This is the whole reason he had came to be a part of this meeting. In verse 14 and 15, Jesus gives his answer. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Jesus says, I don't have that authority. That's not my position. I can't make that call. Uh, that's not my place. But then Jesus went on and said, But I do have something to tell you. I can't help you with your situation, but I, I can tell you something that will help you. Verse number 15, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Jesus had came with an eternal hope, but this man was missing the message because of his preoccupation with gaining his possessions. Jesus then presents this man with two truths. First of all, he warns him against covetousness. Now let me just say here that we have often came to believe that covetousness is when I want what you have. Brother Lewis, has, he has a nice house up on the hill there, nice place Brother Lewis lives. In. And for me to want Lewis's house, well, that's covetousness. That's, that's how we define that. But for me to just want a nice house, well, that's okay, right? This is how we define covetousness. This is always how we've coveted it. A fellow I used to know uh, would always say, as long as I want you to have a better one, it's not wrong for me to want yours. That's kind of how he, he defined this, you know. and uh, He justified it that way. And this is how we see covetousness. But truly, that's not what covetousness is. That's an improper interpretation. Covetousness is an inordinate desire to have things. Covetousness is a desire to possess that drives me. I've got to have more, I've got to have more, I've got to have more. Now covetousness is not wanting a place to live to raise my family. That is not covetousness. Wanting a dependable automobile, that is not covetousness. But whenever my desire to continually have more and have more and have more and have more uh, uh, controls me and possesses me, I have become victim to covetousness. It doesn't matter if I'm wanting yours or if I'm wanting what is on the shelf at the store. If I am driven by a desire to obtain, that is covetousness. We see here that Jesus said, beware of covetousness. Beware of covetousness. Why do we beware of covetousness? And this is the second thing that Jesus shares us here in this verse, and that is the eternal worthlessness of possessions. Jesus says a man's life, a man's life isn't measured by what he possesses. But we measure our worth oftentimes by what we possess. Jesus said, beware covetousness, and the reason you need to beware is because a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. This man was suffering with covetousness. He didn't care what Jesus had to say. All that he did care 
was that he could gain his possession. His focus was on his inheritance. After Jesus makes this statement, Jesus gives the parable. And in this parable, he illustrates the worthlessness of gaining material things in light of eternity. Now, we all know this parable of the rich fool. We're going to look at it here in just a moment. But now, before I get into the parable, I want to point something out. Many times, this parable has been used to preach on greed. I have preached from this parable, preaching against greed. Many times this, this parable is used in that respect. And we, we take this parable and we say, see, it's wrong to hoard. It's wrong to pile up. It's, it's wrong to lay up for the future. That is how we use this parable. But when I look at this parable, I realize that's not what Jesus is teaching at all. This parable is not about it being wrong to have possessions. Jesus never condemns the rich fool for his possessions. He never condemns the rich fool for building bigger barns. He never condemns him for any of that. What he condemns him for is getting so caught up in his possessions that he forgot about God. That is what this parable is about. The man who interrupted Jesus was more concerned with temporal things than with eternal things. And Jesus gives us this parable as an illustration how even the most profitable person with the best laid plans will find themselves in an eternal hell if they get so caught up with the things of this world that they fail to take note of the things of God. Let's look now at the parable. First thing we see in verse number 16, and we're just going to go through the story of the parable and then wrap this up. The first thing that we see in verse number 16, and he spake a parable unto them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Now I'm going to try to stay with the subject of the message, but boy, there's a lot of rabbit trails to run right here. I'm just going to run one real quick right here. Whenever it says the ground brought forth plentifully, now I'm sure that this guy worked. I'm sure that he had a knowledge of crops. He understood how to grow crops. But except the Lord blesses, the ground will not bring forth plentifully. And we need to understand that everything we have is on loan to us from God. God has entrusted us with it and we are to use it for His glory. There is nothing that I have, there is nothing that you have, that we have gained of our own ability, our own strength, our own wisdom. Now I will say that some people apply their God-given wisdom and ability to strength better than other people apply them, but everything we have is the result of the goodness of God. And it will change your outlook on life whenever you begin to realize that everything I have has been entrusted to me by God rather than thinking I need to trust myself to everything that I have. Everything that we have is from God. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He planted the crops. The crops grew. There was a great harvest. He had a better harvest than he had ever had before. This man was already a, a, a rich man. He had already been successful. And now he's even more successful than he's ever been before. We see that whenever he saw this crop in verse number 17, that he took some thoughtful consideration. He did some thoughtful consideration it says, and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? 
because I have no room where to bestow my fruit. So I have more crops than I have room to store them. It has been a good year. It's been a blessed year. I have nowhere to put all these. I need to figure out what to do with this blessing. Now many messages have been preached that say that this man should have given to the poor. And there's plenty of scripture that teaches we should give of our abundance to the poor. Many say that he should have not hoarded this to himself and the Bible does teach us of the worthlessness of hoarding to himself. But again, that's not the point of this parable. Jesus is showing us that this man had plenty and he thoughtfully considered what to do with his plenty. You know, it's wise for every one of us to be careful how we handle what God has entrusted us with. And there is nothing wrong with using wisdom in planning for the future so that we can be secure during our time here on earth. Jesus is just making an illustration. This guy was doing everything right. He had plenty, and he gave some careful consideration to what he would do with it. Then we see in, in verse number 18 that he did some intentional construction. He did some intentional construction. He said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And once again, many times, we've said that this was the sin of the rich man. That God does not condemn him for tearing down the barns and building bigger. That's not the point of the parable. The point of the parable, as we'll see in just a little bit, is beware of covetousness because you'll get caught up in thinking that your life consists in what you have and you'll forget about God. This man's sin was not that he wanted to keep his goods. That wasn't his sin. No, no, this is just showing that this man in this illustration, in this picture, remembering that this is a parable, this man said, I'm going to intentionally make uh, some provision. I'm going to intentionally put my goods uh, in a barn. I'm going to intentionally take care of this. He had plenty full of crops. Uh, he gave it some thoughtful consideration. Uh, he did some intentional construction. Uh, and then he was looking forward to some personal commit contentment. Some personal contentment. He said, and I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He said, if I follow this plan, this is going to work out great. I'm going to have plenty when I get too old to work. I'll still have plenty laid up. I'll say to myself, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You've thought this through. You've made the right plans. Everything is taken care of. But you see what the problem was? Was he never thought about eternity. See, what we need to remember, what we cannot forget, I don't know if y'all remember, several, several years ago I preached a message here where I had a real long rope caught up in the choir loft. And just on the end of that rope was red tape about this long. The red tape in, uh, represented our life here on earth. And the rest of the rope, and we took and walked down the aisle with it and strung it out, the rest of the rope represented eternity. You see, what we fail to realize and what we fail to remember is that my time here on earth is for one thing, and that is to prepare for eternity. My time here on earth is not to build a kingdom. My time here on earth is not to make myself some magnificent person. My time here on earth is not to make myself well known. That's not what it's for. My time 
here on earth is for one thing, and that is to prepare for eternity. And God in His mercy has provided a way of salvation. God in His mercy has proclaimed His Word. God in His mercy has called people to preach the gospel. He's anointed people to share the gospel and spread the gospel so that all the world may have ample opportunity to prepare for eternity. But this guy was preparing for today. He was preparing for right now. He said, I'll have personal contentment. I'll say to myself, I thought, take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. And actually, he had a good plan. Should have worked. Except for one thing, and that is that no man knows what tomorrow may bring forth. No man knows. My dad liked making knives, and Joel's taking up that trade. And my dad would gather saw blades. That was his favorite thing to make knives out of, his old circle sawmill blades. My dad would gather blades up. And I'd see him, and he'd have some blades in the back of his truck. So, yeah, I picked them up down the sawmill. They'd give me those. We'll make some knives out of those. After a little while, Dad said, you know what? I don't know why I picked these blades up. He'd have three or four more. I don't know why I picked them up. He said, but you never know. I, you know, going to have enough to last me till I die. The Lord took Dad home last November, and he definitely had enough saw blades to last him till he died. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do with all these saw blades. There's saw blades everywhere. He accumulated a lot of saw blades. Now, there was no error in what Dad was doing, and I have the same tendency to be a pack rat and carry things home that I don't necessarily need. Uh, but what I'm saying is we kind of have this mindset that I'm going to live forever. And although we know that life is going to end, we're still laying up and dad getting saw blades is just a small thing and, and we all have things like that we do, but we just lay up and lay up and lay up because some way we don't think we're ever going to pass. We're going to live forever. And there's nothing wrong with that unless we fail to prepare for eternity because there is coming a day when everything we've laid up is going to be left behind. The story's been told in many different ways. I have no idea what the original story was, but a millionaire passed away, and two of his friends were talking. And one said, do you know how much he left behind? And the other friend said, every bit of it. <laughs> we don't take any of it with us. It all gets left behind. We see that this man had plans for personal contentment. But in verse number 20, we see that there is an eternal consequence. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus said, Thou fool. Now Jesus didn't call him a fool because he had a barn full of plenty. Jesus called him a fool because in his eagerness to make sure he was well taken care of in this life, he had taken no time to consider the importance of eternity. 
And God said to him, Thou fool, tonight is your last night. This is your last day. This is your last decision. This is the last thing that you will do. This is the last plan that you will make. This is the last thing that you're going to do on this earth. And you have spent every minute of your life right up to your dying day making plans for being comfortable on this earth. You have been a fool in that you have wasted the time time that I gave you to get right instead of getting right you have planned for today you've been a fool you've wasted your opportunity and then what is all this stuff going to matter and I'm telling you what we see people every day who fail to prepare for eternity because they're so caught up with planning for today we see that there is a sobering conclusion. Jesus says to those that are listening, verse number 21, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This parable, in this parable, although do not mishear me this morning, the Bible does teach us, that the love of money is the root of all evil. The Bible does teach us many, many dangers that can be associated with wealth and the pursuit of wealth. Many, many dangers. That's just not the point of this parable. So do not mishear me. I'm not saying that those dangers do not exist. They definitely do. It's just not the point of this parable. The message of this parable is not presenting wealth and possessions as evil. And I want to say that wealth and possessions, if given to you by God, and handled according to the word of God are not evil. Oh, God has blessed some people mightily, and they have turned around and took their blessing and blessed others, and God has done great and mighty things through people who surrendered what God gave to them back to him, and God has blessed some people with material goods far beyond our imagination, and there's nothing evil about that at all. Wealth given to you by God and treated in the way that God intends for us to treat it, there's nothing wrong with that. Bible in this passage is not presenting wealth and possessions as evil, but it is presenting wealth and possessions as futile. There is no eternal value with wealth. No eternal value in wealth. It will not sustain you in eternity. There is no amount of money that can secure your eternity. Wealth and possessions are not evil, but if they are your focus, you will miss heaven because of them. They're not evil, but they are futile. In this parable, Jesus does not condemn the man for having wealth. He doesn't condemn the man for keeping the wealth, but he condemns the man because he trusted the wealth. There is the condemnation. The message of this parable, I believe, is eternal preparation. That's the message of this parable, being prepared for eternity. And it's a warning to those who become so enamored or occupied with the things of this temporal world that they fail to prepare for eternity. This parable puts the focus on possessions. But you know what? There's many other things that we become enamored with that does the same thing. It could be your career that has taken your focus off of eternity. It could be your interest, your hobbies. It could be your entertainment. Uh, it could be 
It could be your family. It could be your education. It could be pursuing dreams. We could go on and on and on and on. There are many things that the devil offers, that this world offers, that are not necessarily evil. But if they become your focus, they're temporal and you'll miss heaven because of pursuing them. i never forget Brother Matt Allen played a big role in me determining that I needed to do more with the calling that God had given me. Fourteen years old, God called me to preach. And throughout my teenage years, my adult years, I'd preached many times. Preached youth conference, taught adult Sunday school field pulpits. Many, many times I'd preached. But I worked a job and it never went full time. Brother Matt Allen was preaching. Brother Terry, I love to fish. I still love to fish. Brother Matt Allen was preaching. And he said, there are some people who give their life to their hobbies, such as fishing. Nothing wrong with fishing. He said, but they pursue it to the extent that I almost think when they get to heaven, they're planning on showing God the bass they caught. And God's not going to be impressed because he created it. And he knows about all the bigger ones that you missed. And boy, I'm telling you what, that just hit home with me. I said, my goodness. What is it that I'm going to show Jesus? He called me to preach. I need to, I need to be busier for him. Oh my goodness, I need to get busy for him. And then the Lord opened doors. You know the story how the Lord opened doors and I found myself here, not where I expected God to put me, but this is where he put me. He just said, okay, you ready? I'll open the doors for you. But you know what? There are many people who are so caught up with the things of this world. And some of them are important. But they have their place. And we've let them get out of their place and we've let them take priority over the things of God. And there's going to come a day in the life of many people when God is going to say, Thou fool. It is appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment. You have came to your last day. You have reached your appointment. Your time on earth is finished. It is final. It is over. Thou fool, you wasted the opportunity that I so graciously gave you. Boy, sometimes you'll see people go through horrific car accidents or survive terrible diseases, and they'll say, boy, I don't know what God has for me. If you've never accepted Him as Savior, He's showing you His grace and His mercy, and the number one thing He wants from you is to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Eternal preparation. We see here that God gave a parable and he said, I want to drive home this truth. Beware of covetousness. Why do we beware of covetousness? Because when you get so consumed with temporal things, you'll miss preparing for eternity. Don't get consumed with material things. Make sure that you have made your heart right with God and are ready for eternity. Let's all stand. Miss Debbie comes to the piano, perhaps you're here this morning. And you say, Pastor John, I just don't know. I don't know if I'm prepared for eternity or not. I mean, I've, 
I come to church and, and I think I'm doing the right things and, and I know that it's important, but Pastor John, I'm not certain if I'm prepared for eternity. I don't know if I've ever accepted the Lord like you talk about. I, I hope I'm okay. I think I'm okay, but I'm not for sure. Let me just tell you this morning, your eternity's nothing to play with. It's nothing to take a chance on, especially when that you can know without a shadow of a doubt whether or not you're on your way to heaven. And you know that a at night, uh, you know something that'll rest your heart uh, in troubled times, uh, you know something that'll comfort you when the world around you is falling apart, uh, is knowing uh, without a shadow of a doubt uh, that you have put your trust uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be my challenge morning. if you're here this morning and you're not sure if you've ever put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, make today the day that you make that final. Let today be the day that you come to this altar and you say, Lord, whether I've did it before or not, I don't know, but one thing I want you to know for sure is that on this day I am believing in you, I'm putting my trust in you, I'm repenting of my sin and turning my life over to you and you will have a peace in your heart like you've never had before. He'll move in with you, he'll take up his abode with you. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ and you know for sure that you're lost and without God, make today the day that you come to this altar and put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Miss Debbie, you play. As Miss Debbie plays, the Lord spoke to your heart. You come. Christians, pray.